Power in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So, we had really a fascinating episode last week where Mark Jackson was our guest co-host. We talked to Chan Harzan of MUFON. And, of course, we've had our differences with Chan. I think some of the things MUFON does, some of the beliefs they kind of accept maybe go a little too far. Maybe they're looking more towards entertainment to get the word out about UFO reality. And certainly, Jan is very accepting of the possibility that UFOs are spaceships. And that's all right. He's entitled to his opinion. He's a very nice, gracious person because we had a postponement of one of our guests and we... At the last minute, asked Jan, can you get on? Can you get on? And he said, yes, within a very short time. And he was happy to do it. So whether you agree with him or not, he is what we call in Brooklyn a mensch. MJ Benias, do you ever hear such terms like mensch? I was actually called a mensch today. <laughs> it, humorously. So, yes, it's just a, you know, a good guy, an overall good person. That's right. We have good people, even if we sometimes disagree with them. It was a really well-received show, and we were happy to do it. This week, MJ Benias returns to the Paracast, and he's written lots of fascinating blog entries. But he's got a new book out, and this is one that I'm particularly interested in. It's called The UFO People, and we're not talking about E.T., okay? Not talking about the men in black. We're talking about the people some of the key people who get involved in UFO research. And to preface this, I'm going to mention the fact that years ago, when I was working with Jim Mosley at Saucer News back in the 1960s, okay, I was getting $5 an hour in 1965. Today, that would be like $75, $80 based on inflation. I got a good salary as managing editor. Oh, yeah, it was terrific salary as managing editor. And Jim told me, you know, I'm bored by sightings. I'm more interested in the people than the sightings. That's what he said. And certainly... Five bucks a week is probably more than most ufologists still get paid. That's five five bucks an hour. Oh, five dollars. Okay. Five dollars an hour. In 1965 dollars. Five dollars an hour in 1965 dollars. And let me just see what that means. Five dollars... In 1965, in 2019. Let me look at the inflation calculator, okay? Who's okay, making how much? more than $5 an hour now? Richard Dolan? He's probably making more than $5 an hour now. Okay, $5 now would be $40.26 an hour. It's a solid pay right there, man. That's a solid pay. And uh, to use my custom, I don't know why we're doing this, but the key is here is that Jim was more interested in the culture of UFOs than the sightings themselves. And maybe it's because of the fact that the UFOs very much affect people's lives in many important ways, as a result of which we really have to look at them to see if they give us insights. Because maybe what we see and what we think we see is based on our cultural upbringing, who we are. MJ, how did you come to write this book? 
I, I think I kind of fell into, you know, into it the same way. I think, you know, you, you maybe sort of, or, or your, your former boss used to sort of, to think about it, you know, the, the UFO phenomenon is very interesting, but, but fundamentally the people are, are much more fascinating. You know, there, there's something about a person who, who can sort of live in, in this sort of dual reality, right? Where, um, they, they live a daily life and then they go to work and pay their bills and drive their kids to soccer practice. Yet they, they also have this sort of UFO fascination or they, they, they chase after them or they investigate them or they research them or they've had encounters with sort of the phenomenon, whatever it is. So, you know, they live in this kind of dual state. They're, they're sort of ghosts in a way, right? They kind of haunt um, the normal daily world and they haunt this sort of UFO world where, where the things they chase, you know, ought not to exist. So, you know, I find that incredibly fascinating. And, and my background is in culture studies. And so my background is in cultural studies and critical theory. So I, I find it, it very interesting the way subcultures form, the way people gather together and create identities uh, for their group. I've always kind of enjoyed studying how, how that occurs. Um, and the UFO community is, is, is really interesting. The UFO community definitely has uh, a, a subcultural identity. Um, we all speak a similar language. Um, we all kind of have jargon and lingo that, that fits into our, into our subculture. We, we, we can communicate with each other easily and understand what everyone's talking about. Um, we, we, we sort of have a, a, a style of a sort that, that kind of makes us who we are. Um, yet at the same time, there's so many divisions and there's so much discrepancy and there's so much chaos within the UFO community. Um, we sort of also challenge this idea of subculture because we, we don't get along all the time. We, we have issues with each other's ideas or, or each other's egos um, and, and chaos kind of forms. So it was the project. The project of the book is to look at the UFO community as this sort of chaotic group and really does it reflect the UFO phenomenon and and I think it really does. You know, when we look at the UFO phenomenon, it is generally chaotic. It doesn't make sense. There's so many questions and so few answers, um, if any. So, you know, you have this mirroring of this community of people who, who sort of shadow or encapsulate the, the, the UFO as, as a construct as well. Does that in any way relate to the co-creation theory that Greg Bishop and others have voiced, that we participate to some degree in the creation of this, whatever it is. Sure. I, you know, I do present that as, a, as an idea in the book. Um, you know, I think Greg Bishop's co-creation theory is, is really interesting um, because it, it brings to the table um, our own perception of the phenomenon. And, and when you really think about it, um, everything we, we know, all, all meaning is, is, is filtered by our perception. Um, whether it be cultural or social, whether it be political or economical or values based or morals, whatever it is, um, you know, we are shaped and, and our meaning of the world around us is shaped by all of these filters and factors. Uh, so co-creation kind of brings this to bear, right? Co-creation pre pre presents rather this idea that, you know, the UFO phenomenon is a reflection of ourselves, yet it is also an objective sort of intelligent force out there somewhere that is, that is working with us or, or using us in some way. Um, so, 
yeah, I, I do talk about sort of different interpretations and different iterations of this in the book that, that, that could be possible. But even from, you know, if we want to step away from, from even let's go, you know, even more skeptical moving into just a basic materialist kind of, you know, regular mainstream outlook, you know, let's assume, for example, or let's pretend UFOs are not something objective. They're just made up by us. Um, our, our kind of cultural background seems to influence the, the, the creation of the UFO um, for us as a community. Um, now, if you add that layer of, of now we're dealing with some sort of objective intelligence or a force or a control system or whatever, depending on, on extraterrestrials, whatever, you know, that adds that other interesting layer of, of how they're now using our culture and our ideologies and, 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 and social frameworks to create themselves, in a sense, for us. Now, in this book, you're focusing on a certain group of people to typify the attitude towards UFOs and the culture. I'm going to have you answer that question in our next segment. We've got MJ Benias. The book is called The UFO People. And of course, the publisher is Robbie Graham. And definitely it's worth a read. It's a short book. So there's no excuse not to go through it in a night or two. Our co-host, of course, is Jay Randall Murphy. You're in the Paracast. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast Jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.thepowercast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour. Attention GCN Self-Reliance listeners. If you've ever wanted an emergency solar survival backup system, but were waiting for prices too crazy to pass up, this will be the most important message you'll ever hear. Bill Hyde here, and I want to tell you about a huge sale with historically low prices on our PPX microgrid system that's going to let you produce an endless supply of electricity off the grid. The clearance price is a result of the historic flooding we're having here right on the east bank of the Mississippi. Because of the flooding, we've had to move a lot of our inventory to a temporary location and rather than move it back to the warehouse, we thought we'd offer the system at a price that might seem unbelievable if you didn't know the floodwaters backstory. So here's what you should do right now. Check out the PPX microgrid system at myownpowergrid.com. That's myownpowergrid.com. Over $1,000 in great off-the-grid gear and a ton of bonuses too. And the best part, you're not going to pay $750 or $500, $300, or even $200. Go to myownpowergrid.com to learn more. That's myownpowergrid.com. 
This is George Dory from Coast to Coast AM and History Channel's Ancient Aliens. We support the amazing energy, nutrition, and skincare products from Jeunesse. Jeunesse products are designed by leading doctors in their field with natural ingredients and even stem cell technology. These products help your body perform and look better. Shop Jeunesse at GCNLife.com or call 1-844-443-6637. GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Policies issued by American General Life Insurance Company, Houston, Texas. Not available in all states. For details, visit AIGdirect.com. Do you have a family? Would you like to help make sure they'll be taken care of if anything were to happen to you? If you answered yes, you probably need life insurance. Now, do you think life insurance is expensive? If you answered yes to that, too, you definitely need to give AIG Direct a call. We could find you a quarter of a million dollar policy for just $14 a month, which means you could save hundreds of dollars a year. Call us now for a free, no obligation quote. 1-800-919-5435. Since 1995, we've helped millions of people find out if they could save up to 70% on their term life insurance. See how affordably we can help you protect your family. Call AIG Direct now for your free quote. 1-800-919-5435. You could save up to 70%. That's 1-800-919-5435. 1-800-919-5435. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But soon, you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps. The ultimate fully functional, off-the-grid mobile survival bug-out house that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. MJ Benias here on the Paracast. So you heard my question. Are you focusing on specific individuals? in UFO people to represent your theory? I, I, I sort of collected a, a group of people. Um, I have an experiencer. Uh, I have um, a, a few sort of infamous names, uh, such as Richard Doty. Um, I have Dr. Hal Putoff, Dr. Gary Nolan, Dr. Kit Green in the book as well, who, who were gracious enough to give me sort of their time uh, for interviews, phone calls, various text messages and emails back and forth um, to really kind of get the, the story down and, and sort of their, their information down as, as best as I could. Um, I have some other conversations with individuals who, who chose to remain anonymous because they, they didn't want their name sort of in a UFO book. So I have a, a whole collective of individuals from sort of regular everyday UFO witnesses, experiencers to, you know, members of, of what we've sort of coined the invisible college, you know, we, and, and I wanted to do this sort of purposefully because the, the book is designed to try and paint as, as good a picture of the UFO community as we can. Um, and, and these individuals kind of form it um, in a lot of different ways, or they've played a role in forming our sort of identity as a community in some way. So in no way or other is it an exhaustive collection of everybody who's involved in UFOs, because that would be a monstrosity of a book. Uh, but but it, it 
attempts to provide a, a sort of a foothold into the UFO world, especially for those who are not members, for those sort of individuals who, who are interested in UFOs, but um, have heard maybe some of these names before or, or are unsure of just the, the ins and outs of the UFO community. This book also kind of is a bit of an introduction for them into the community. Now, in setting this up, did you look at the chronology, the history, who was the first person you chose, like a Donald Kehoe, for example, does he have a presence in your book? I, I, yeah, definitely. I, I do mention him. Um, the, one of the sections of the book is a, a sort of a, a reader's digest history of the UFO phenomenon, as well as how extraterrestrial, the idea of, of the extraterrestrial, how it, it kind of came to be formed alongside the UFO question. When you really think about UFOs um, over the long term, they've been really attached at the hip to the notion of meat body, you and me, ETs from other planets who, who kind of travel around in, in riveted together spaceships made out of metal. That's really been the, the, the fundamental, uh, I guess, ideological construct of the UFO phenomenon over its history. Um, and we obviously see these divergences over time where, where, you know, the extraterrestrial hypothesis tends to kind of deviate away. And then we dive into potentially some interdimensional or some control system or, or some other more paranormal or, or mystical aspect, spiritual aspect of, of the phenomenon. But what was really helpful, um, you know, I'm not a UFO researcher and people sort of often refer to me as one and, and I'm not really, I, I'm, I'm a cultural studies guy. So, so while I do, some research into UFOs and I'm interested in UFOs. Like I said, I'm more interested in the people. So I'm a, I'm a UFO community researcher, not a UFO researcher. It was really helpful to have Paul Dean and Barry Greenwood. They sort of worked with me to, to kind of flesh out a thorough, uh, albeit sort of concise history of, uh, of UFOs and the UFO phenomenon. Um, and in fact, they, they, they came together and, and wrote a, a joint essay uh, that I pulled a lot of the information from, uh, and then I published it in the appendix. So um, if you're a fan of Barry Greenwood or Paul Dean's work, um, there's a, a sort of an exclusive essay at the end of the book for you um, if you're into UFO history and just kind of getting a, a good understanding of, of how it all evolved. Um, and they were very, very sort of understanding of my ignorance when it came to the UFO phenomenon on a historical level. Now, when it comes to Major Donald Kehoe, in the 1950s, he was responsible for introducing countless numbers of people to flying saucers yes. before we accepted them as UFOs and now UAPs these days. He was right there at the beginning. So how do you assess his contribution to the field? Well, I think Kehoe was an essential player, like you said, right? I mean, fundamentally, without him, the evolution of the UFO history and, and, and then UFO discourse, and I would argue the narrative, the UFO narrative as well, would be totally different. You know, he was really the, the, one of the first people on, on a more mainstream level to introduce UFOs into a more mainstream culture. He was the first one to, to you know, posit that these things were flying discs from another planet. He was one of the first people to bring out uh, a sort of a, a credibility because he was a, a military man. Um, he, was, he was viewed as being honest. He was viewed as being moral, of, of, of having high character and good character compared to someone who wasn't in the military. Um, he also really presented the earliest 
ideas that the government was purposefully um, and willingly hiding their knowledge about the UFO phenomenon from the general public. So when you see Kehoe's contribution, you know, you, you, you see really those seeds uh, of the UFO community taking root. And, and he was the one who really kind of dumped the water and gave it a lot of sunlight to really let it grow. I think previous to Kehoe, you would have had a lot of ideas. You would have had extraterrestrial hypothesis and you had um, flying saucers and you had government sort of conspiracy. But he was the one who brought it out to the main public, to, to everyone else. Um, and, and really, you see a surge in media, you see a surge in, in magazine articles, newspaper articles, books, you know, films, uh, you know, concerning flying saucers and aliens really took his content and, and created the UFO mythology that we still deal with today. Um, if Kehoe hadn't sort of gotten involved or did what he did, it would be interesting to kind of see where the UFO community would be. Like, what would the UFO discourse look like? What, the, what would the UFO narrative look like? So, no, he was definitely an in- influential character uh, when it came to sort of the evolution of the discourse. Now, he used his background as a former Marine, his background as a military aviation writer, and also a sci-fi action writer. But he used the background with his military contacts to help him get information about sightings that maybe some other people couldn't get. And that was a big feature of his book. Here are sightings that you haven't heard about before that demonstrate UFO reality. He had a book like The Flying Saucer Conspiracy, which focused heavily on what he called the silence group. And these were the people who kept the secret within the government. But the thing I guess that bothered me about Keo, and I met Keo a few times, I interviewed him once for a magazine that folded a few weeks later and never paid me, but that's another story. <laughs> any case, the Kehoe, very early on, said spaceships. His first book was Flying Saucers from Outer Space. That's the book I read and got interested in the subject. He made that conclusion very, very early on. And the fact that the military would deny what he thought was just very obvious to everyone demonstrated to him there must be a cover-up. And his book sounded pretty credible. The only thing that maybe wasn't so credible is that he recreated the conversations and had it read like a mystery novel, his books. Right. Yeah. M.J. Benias, Gene Steinberg, J. Randall Murphy, you're in The Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do the letters IRS give you anxiety? I'm Dan Pilla. I've defended people from the IRS for more than 40 years. My book, How to Get Tax Amnesty, created the tax resolution industry and is responsible for helping hundreds of thousands of people. It can help you, too. If you're a non-filer or facing IRS enforcement right now, your case is unique. You need real help, not cookie-cutter advice. My clients get my personal attention. Buy my book at danpilla.com and get a free consultation directly with me. That's danpilla.com. Let's start solving your tax problem right now.
Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. USA Radio News with Wendy King. The Arab League is now urging Iran to take steps to ease tensions in the Persian Gulf. Two oil tankers were attacked near the strategic Strait of Hormuz this week. The U.S. blames Iran, but they denied that they were involved. A nearby South Korean vessel helped rescue the sailors on one of the oil tankers. Hong Kong's chief executive, Carrie Lam, has announced she's suspending a proposed and controversial extradition bill. She spoke through an interpreter. We do not intend to set any deadline on development work. We promise that after we have collated the views, we'll report to the security panel of the electrical. We'll consult the views of the lawmakers before we decide on the step forward. Hundreds of thousands of protesters demonstrated in Hong Kong this week against the bill. This is USA Radio News. Does your business spend $500 a month or more on gas and electric bills? Did you know by making a simple free phone call, you can save up to 25% on your bill every month? What could you do with a 25% savings on utility bills every month? Energy deregulation is now available in your state. Making one simple phone call will show you how we can lower your gas and electric bills instantly. With no changes to your bill and no enrollment fee. This is a free service. The only thing you'll notice is a lower bill every month. Call U.S. Power & Light right now. Learn how easy it is to lower your utility bills for your business and save money. We promise. So if you spend over $500 a month on your gas and electric bills, please call right now and unleash your savings. 800-941-3381. 800-941-3381. 800-941-3381. That's 800-941-3381. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Introducing Reveal from GCNLife.com. Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman invented Reveal, which contains polypeptides with natural botanicals and no parabens, sulfates, silicones, or dyes for a salon-quality hair growth product. Reveal. Here's Dr. Newman. I have treated a lot of patients who lose their hair and they lose their confidence. We've created a unique set of polypeptides, which we call HPT6. The HPT6 contains the polypeptides from six different plants. The scalp infusion treatment should be used on wet or dry scalp. The Reveal hair care system is designed to be used for men and women alike. Get Reveal at GCNLife.com with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So try Reveal today at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Plus a discount up to 25% off for Reveal at GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. This is Jacques Vallée, and you're listening to the podcast, The Gold Standard of Paranormal Radio. Focusing first on one of the people who started it all in terms of UFO interests, Major Donald Kehoe. 
and he was lived in, I guess, until the 1980s or something. He was born 1897, as a matter of fact. And he was always personable, but just another point, and this is something that Jerome Clark documented in his UFO encyclopedia. When he was running NICAP as director, he wasn't hands-on. He wouldn't come there every day to run the office, and he really, really didn't know how to manage his finances. But that has nothing to do with his cultural impact. I gather he couldn't even handle the finances of the organization, and right. in the late 60s, they threw him out. Right, yeah, and I've, and I've heard this, you know, again, I, I think there was, that was one of the, the big, wasn't there sort of a bit of a conspiracy surrounding that, because his replacement was someone who was, was a known intelligence officer, um, or had uh, a past in, in the intelligence world. So when, when they did remove him, basically due to financial malfeasance, um, he, he thought it was some big um, purposeful government play to get rid of him and put in uh, uh, an, a sort of an intelligence asset into the, the, the head of NICAP uh, so that they could spy on the organization. I seem to recall that was part of the story. Uh, yeah, it, it was. But for the most part, that's really been sort of kind of sensationalized i think that the people that were involved with it then were retired people not unlike kehoe himself so and they were themselves interested in the subject but of course with their background it became easy to sort of brand them as possible co-conspirators but you know while we're talking about all of this and and just uh, returning back to having had jan harzan on as last week's guest and thinking about the role that Kehoe had with groups like NICAP, from a cultural perspective, what role would you say that UFO interest groups have had over the years, and how have they evolved, and are they even relevant or useful in today's culture? Sure. Um, well, I mean, I mean, I don't think anyone can 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 say you know Mufon, for example, hasn't played. A large role in UFO discourse. It, it fundamentally has, um, and even as you know, even as simply as a a just an organizer of of a whole bunch of conferences or whatever. I mean, you know, it was at a MUFON conference that William Moore stood up in front of a crowd and basically told them that you know he was working with Richard Doty and and he was spying on them. Uh, and, and you know, like I mean, you know, even from just a, sort of an outlying perspective, right? You know, all of these UFO organizations and interest groups have provided sort of the context of the UFO discourse. Um, you know, b- before the internet people had to literally meet at conferences to discuss ideas or they had to send letters to each other, right? And, and UFO discourse occurred really fundamentally at those conferences uh, of these interest groups, um, and, as well as in sort of letter writing chains. You know, that was really how UFO discourse occurred. Uh, in the modern day, you know, I think MUFON still has a significant responsibility uh, within the UFO community, as well as some other UFO organizations. Um, but but the internet has really changed the game, right? The internet has really removed um, a lot of the authority of some of these organizations because now anyone can have UFO discourse or UFO discussions or can report their sightings to kind of anybody all over the internet. Um, so w- what you've lost with the internet is a sort of th- a little more control, I suppose. These organizations had a little more control and now they've lost it. Um, and, but, well, you know, yeah, you still it's, have... Uh leveled the playing field in ufology for 
everyone. No longer do we have to be part of some exclusive group in order to get insider information. But with the advent of the internet, it's like, well, look, if you don't put your information out there on the internet, we'll find it ourselves somewhere else and your group will just become defunct and nobody will pay any attention to it. And so we, what we've seen is groups like MUFON actually putting their information out now onto the internet and not being uh, so closed with it. Yeah, I, I, there's people, I guess, within within the UFO community who probably argue with that, right? They would argue that MUFON does sort of hold back a lot of their sort of more juicier cases um, and doesn't post them on the internet. I've heard such rumors. Um, I, I've talked about it on my show as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's a few people within the UFO community kind of being like, oh, hmm, interesting, interesting claim. Oh, um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, at least they've, you know, they've been still kind of almost forced to do something more than they used to because before if you wanted a sighting report from them you had to write to them you had to send them money for each individual case report and uh you know so at least it's it's forced them to to crack things open a little bit more than they used to i i think well i mean so i was just going to say like so the the cultural landscape really the internet has really changed that for ufology in a number of ways so you know how have have you looked into that and Maybe can you tell us some more about your opinions on that? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, circling back to MUFON just briefly, um, you know, MUFON has had to compete in this new sort of world of of the internet, right? Um, you know, MUFON, like you said, right? MUFON kind of held a lot of sway within the UFO community, and 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 if you wanted access, you needed to join, you need to pay the fee, and you need to do all that. Whereas in today, um, you know, MUFON is losing members it's losing field investigators because again the internet has opened up the world to to the ufo and anyone can 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 gain access to information um via social media uh, via just emailing people via above top secret forum whatever right i mean you can ultimately the paracast forum you know you can ultimately access that information a lot of different ways and, and MUFON has has really fundamentally had to pivot um you know now it's about selling the brand sometimes and that's how MUFON makes its money um and to, to in order just to stay alive i mean you know everyone remembers i think it was 2016 right MUFON symposium the the the, the, the premium scientific ufological organization slapping Corey good down at a conference and saying okay tell us about the secret space program friend um you know that was a massive fiasco on mufon's end but to to kind of take a risk here right ultimately you know we're losing members Corey good will put bums in seats so so we can't we 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 need to stay alive so we're going to to potentially kind of use mr good um, and his his popularity to to bring more people to move on, um, and and there, I remember there was a big sort of falling out. A lot of people criticized MUFON for for that play. Um, it, it was a, it was a risky maneuver. Absolutely, so, because we, what we were talking about there is is when you started out at the beginning of the show, you mentioned that there's sort of a divide within the ufology community between what we might call the serious ufologists and those who are just in it for the entertainment and the culture. And those two sides are very real. And I would argue that actually the cultural component of ufology is the larger side of it. It's enormous. It involves the entertainment industry and uh, in 
every form of entertainment from music to advertising to movies to television programming. I mean, you name it, it's out there. Right. So, well, so you, you could argue that, well, okay, good is just a, a cultural component of ufology. So let's have them on for those people who are kind of interested in that. Sure. I think it's a very symbiotic relationship. I think the the cultural aspect of ufology, like you mentioned, and then sort of the hardcore, you know, quote unquote, real ufology. Um, I think these exist in a sort of symbiosis, right? The real ufologists need the cultural aspect to ultimately introduce fresh blood into the pool. It needs to generate, you know, interest. And, and the cultural component is what does that. Um, you know, if there was no cultural piece to ufology, you would have very few ufologists. Um, it would be you know, boring as hell. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, they, so, so the cultural piece kind of feeds the real ufologist, right? Because out of all those cultural, of all the people that cultural piece draws, you're going to have a small percentage that really digs in and, and, and digs into real hardcore research. MJ Benias looking at the UFO people and not ET with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. 
complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how did it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes, take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax manager hotline now 800-503-8625-800-503-8625 hunters anglers campers and survivalists get back to nature expand your horizons with the highest quality most versatile unique slingshots and sling bows on the market at slingbow.com slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98 they're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow, a new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at Slingbow.com. This is Jerome Clark, author of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the Paracast. So MJ Benias is looking at the UFO culture, early influences from people like Major Donald Kehoe, what MUFON has had to do to kind of adapt to the times, going in more for entertainment to get more attention than before. Let me ask you here as we go further, is this the reason like a show like Project Blue Book, fiction, a fictional, exaggerated interpretation of J. Allen Hynek may in turn have inspired interest in the subject because at the end of the show they would show the actual case, not the one they fictionalized. What do you think? Well, I, I think Project Blue Book is is you know it's going to draw in viewers, and therefore it's going to draw in at least a small percentage of people who are going to pursue the phenomenon further. Right? They're going to read more. They're going to read books, and they're going to dig into the community a little more. And again, a, a even smaller percentage will join sort of what what Randall mentioned—that sort of that 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 kind of more real hardcore ufologist research community. So, so definitely Blue Book plays a role in, in drawing more attention to the UFO question from the outside. Um, but, you know, it's funny because Project Blue Book, the TV show, 
uh, as well as all of the UFO entertainment, the cultural component really draws its stories, right? It draws its, its content from the hardcore ufology. Um, and that's why I kind of, I mentioned earlier that it's a symbiotic relationship, that cultural piece needs those hardcore ufologists, those that hardcore research, because that's where the stories come from, right? That's where those little kernels of, of information sort of occur and, and the cultural piece kind of pulls them out and, and uses them to extrapolate and to tell story and to create drama and, and, and comedy and, and whatever. Um, you know, when you look at one of the greatest UFO alien movies ever created, um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that is very much a cultural UFO piece. In fact, it's, it's iconic. It's, oh, it's absolutely. so important, right? In 2007, it was uh, deemed culturally and historically or aesthetically significant by the United States Library of Congress and actually selected for preservation in their National Film Registry. That's how important it was. Right. And, 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 and within that film, right, it, it went into the UFO community, that group of hardcore ufologists, and it just pulled those little pieces of information it needed to tell a good story. Now, Spielberg kind of expanded upon it and, and created a lot of dramatic license, or used a lot of dramatic license to, to tell a story about a guy, which is really what the movie's about. It's really just about Richard Dreyfus's character kind of going on this journey. but. When you look at, you know, all of the stuff that it used, I mean, you know, J. Allen Hynek was in the damn film. Um, the, the, the French UFO investigator or researcher was, was based upon ballet. Um, you know, you had all of this UFO context. In fact, there, I, I'm, I, I'm not sure if this is totally true, but um, Spielberg originally was, was looking at going down a more sort of metaphysical road with it, but he was sort of pressured and then he sort of as a director pressured himself a bit to tell the simpler story that it's just aliens from another planet um but he was initially going to go down that valet and kind of control system weird metaphysical road so um you know again you have this symbiosis between these two groups they need each other in a sense um and and unfortunately that's what creates the chaos within the ufo community right those hardcore ufologists criticize the, the cultural aspect of it, they hate it because it it, it totally alters and, and and sanitizes or mutates the actual research and the actual data. And at the same time, that cultural aspect, you know, uses the UFO stories from those researchers and then tells them to relax when they don't like it. You know what I mean? Like it's a movie, chill out. Oh man. yeah, yeah. Um, you know why you? It's just UFOs, relax, bro. Like that's kind of what happens so you have this kind of weird symbiosis but they hate each other at the same time and this is why the ufo community is so weird and beautiful and and just an anarchy um because we all know kind of the language and the lingo and we we have our identity but there's so much division and infighting um because we we can't all get along i guess I, well, everyone just, wants to defend their own little piece of turf if everybody agreed on everything, then nobody would have anything unique to them. And everyone wants to stand out as an individual so that they can have their own little booth at all of the conferences or their own, you know, say, piece on, on whatever podcast it happens to be. And so everybody had the same viewpoint. I mean, where would it be? Not just a cultural thing, but let's say there is a business aspect to it as well. 
Oh, for sure. And, but I think, I think, you know, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to cite George Hansen here, the, uh, the author of the paranormal, uh, trickster and the paranormal. He would argue that this, this chaos is part of the phenomenon itself. Right. And, and I, and I tend to agree with him. I, I state this in the book that the UFO community is very much influenced by the UFO phenomenon and the UFO phenomenon itself is very chaotic. It doesn't follow rules. It doesn't obey any laws whatsoever. It doesn't obey morals or ethics it, it, it basically does what it wants all the time and i think that the ufo community really being the, the group that's tasked with researching this strange phenomenon it itself is going to become chaotic um, i think the ufo community has to be chaotic in order to pursue chaos right uh, itself because that's what ufos are right ufos are a perfect representation of a chaotic universe they're a perfect representation of the fact that we as a species don't have control we have the the appearance of control but we don't really have control at all and the ufo is a great symbol of this and i think the community needs to be chaotic itself to kind of understand it or to go after it in any reasonable or even nonsensical kind of way well you know the one thing also about this which I wanted to bring up. The fact is, a lot of people believe the UFOs are the solution. ET will come down. ET will take care of our problems. ET will help us stop the tribal warfare around the world. ET will help us solve the energy crisis. All we need is to expect ET to finally come here. But ET never comes. It's always one step beyond our perceptions. Right, and I mean, that's, this is sort of Diana Pasalka who's the author of American Cosmic, that's sort of her point, right, um, is that there's a religious aspect to the UFO question as well. You have a bunch of people who put faith in UFOs as a sort of savior-type character, but a savior that's sort of different from other, from other gods um, in the sense that science sort of supports the possibility that, you know, aliens do exist. Science supports the possibility that there is intelligent life elsewhere in the cosmos. So, so it's sort of religion kind of one step um kind of to the left i suppose in just the sense that there exists some sort of divine or all-powerful entity that will save us but science also backs it up Um, and and i agree with you gene i mean there is a huge religious component Um, i think humans are generally anxious right humans are generally afraid of the fact that you know in reality we don't actually have control and and we need some sort of divine intervention to help us cope with that anxiety Um, and ufos are a perfect sort of 20th and 21st century kind of manifestation of that um a technological savior who who will pull us out of the fire because we can't seem to pull ourselves out going back through history though things that are interpreted as UFO-related phenomena have occurred way back thousands of years ago. Was that the same phenomenon, or are we just looking at it in 21st century eyes yeah. to make that interpretation? Yeah. You know, that's a really great question. Well, you can kind of go a lot of, down a lot of roads with this, but, you know, within the 20th and 21st centuries, UFOs have become technological, right? These are This is technology we're dealing with. And we interpret it as such, right? The UFO manifests to, at least us in the West, as sort of a technological machine or, or, or something similar. But again, you know, talking about going into the past and, in, you know, into thousands of years ago, you know, people have been seeing strange things for a long time. We've been interacting with, with odd anomalous events for forever, um, but we've never really interpreted 
it as a technology. We've always interpreted it as some sort of divinity or, or some sort of being um, or, or some sort of force. No, no one ever wrote about how this thing was like a, a machine of some sort. Um, so it could be, you know, it, potentially, you know, if, if, if we're going to go down the road of, of valet and John Keel, yeah, this phenomenon has been around since we've been around. It's an important aspect of humanity itself. It, it seems to follow us around like a shadow, um, kind of reminding us of, of, of our issues or, or, or of our, you know, of, of the problems we face. Um, if we go down that road, um, if you go down other roads, right, people would say, you know, maybe this phenomenon is new. Maybe the aliens just found us or something, you know, like you can, you can kind of go, you know, in any direction here. Let's break it here. Let's break it here. MJ Benias looking at the UFO people, the subculture, and more with Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Hey folks, Tom D for ParanormalDate.com. Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Now you have a chance to change that by signing up free at ParanormalDate.com. This incredible dating site puts people of like minds together. People who are interested in the strange, the unusual, ghosts, zombies, UFOs, crop circles, and more. ParanormalDate.com was developed for you, people who seek a little more than the other dating services offer. You can join for free by going to ParanormalDate.com, and if you decide you like it and you want to connect with others, use the code GEORGE for a substantial discount. So many people want to share their experiences with the paranormal, the afterlife, the unusual, and this is the place to meet and share common interests with those of like minds. So sign up for free at ParanormalDate.com. That's ParanormalDate.com. Use the code word GEORGE and start meeting others. Get going now and connect with someone you like. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Now, of course, that's the term space brothers means they are here to help us rather than to harm us. But let me look at the other direction here. I don't know how much you focus on this. Legends of less than friendly people or the men in black. 
That goes back to the early 50s. Do you get into that at all? I do touch on it in, in the history of, of sort of the UFO phenomenon, but I don't spend much time talking about the men in black in any particular sense or, or in this of the Space Brothers. Again, you know, I do mention Adamski and, and, and his particular sighting uh, and then sort of the follow up. Uh, I suppose um, I don't use cult, um, but, you know, I guess the, the movement, let's say that, that that came after him. But no, because I, again, um, I wanted to focus on on the UFO community primarily as it is today. The history is 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 an important concept and an important part of the book. But the the, the book focuses primarily on the modern day. Um, what is the UFO community now, and and how does it function now? So I I, I did not spend too much time um, going into that aspect, unfortunately. I want to bring up here also the most recent developments, and we can focus on that too, where it seems the government may take, be taking it seriously. We have that Pentagon UFO study. We have such figures uh, as Luis Elizondo, and we have Tom DeLong and the To the Stars Academy. But we have very serious articles being published about UFOs in mainstream publications. The Washington Post, of course, the New York Times. Doesn't that signify something else is going on here? You know, potentially. Uh, I think at times, it's funny that we talk about, we, we talk about history, and I said they didn't focus on history, but, you know, in this conversation, we kind of need to. You know, I think, you know, ufologically, we've been down this road before. We've always had those insiders who, who know a lot of things but can't always talk about them. Um, you know, we've had mainstream media cover the UFO phenomenon. We've had incredible evidence of, of UFO events it, they kind of just sort of fade away and then something else comes in and it often kind of looks the same as, as it used to. If, if, if we, we live in interesting times, you know, but 2019 really does reflect, you know, the 1980s and the aviary and the MJ 12 documents and all of that drama the UFOs cover up live in 1988. Like this is all, you know, almost like a repeat of that in a way. Sure, it was the 80s, so it seemed a little hokier, but it, it, we're kind of going down, I think, similar paths here. Um, now, with that being said, I think that there's been a lot of interesting content that's come out as a result of the Pentagon and, and the ATIP program and through the To The Stars Academy. You know, they've brought forward a lot of new, interesting information to, to the mainstream and, and, and again, kind of created um, a cultural force. Uh, and I talk about that on my YouTube channel. We have to respect the fact that To The Stars has altered the playing field a little bit. I, I think, like I said, we've been down this road, but, but it, it's sort of a slightly different road, maybe. So I, I think it's an important cultural phenomenon. And I have to be honest, I, I, I didn't talk about To The Stars in my book. Um, because when I wrote the book, I wasn't sure if To The Stars was going to last. So I had to be cautious um, as, as all this to the stars stuff was coming out in 2017, when I finished the book, um, you know, you have to kind of sit there as an author being like, you know, am I going to include this knowing, you know, it might not make the year. So I kind of pivoted and I decided to interview Hal Putoff and Gary Nolan who were involved with to the stars, but kind of kept to the stars out of it and just focused more on, on them and their work. So but again, to the stars is really the sum of it, some of its parts, right? It's this invisible college, and and, and the Pentagon program, the ATIP program, is really the invisible college, um, just under a new name. It's the aviary again, 
right? Just again, under different, in different clothing. Yeah, this is where I was uh, suggesting that we go with that. And uh, sort of, it does tie in exactly to Gene's comments there as well, the whole invisible college concept. I mean, so my question was going to be, how has the invisible college evolved over the years since it was first alluded to by Jacques Vallée back in 1975? And I mean, he was talking about academics and other scientists that were shy about putting their name on record, you know, for fear of some sort of ridicule or something like that. Now we see them seemingly coming out of the woodwork, quitting their jobs in order to become whistleblowers. There seems to be a shift in, in the whole idea here, like Gene was saying. Um, yeah, I, I think, I mean, you know, when you look at, well, I'm, unfortunately with the Invisible College, Right. There, there are a lot of people who choose to remain invisible. So, you know, in my book, I, I spoke to a handful of people, but only three allowed me to print their names. Um, and it's really the three who are already public, right? Kit Green, Hal Putoff, Gary Nolan. Everyone knows who they are. They already have a UFO, sorry, a public UFO presence. Um, so th- they're members of the Invisible College, but they're not very invisible. No, exactly. But there's, but there's a lot of other academics, a lot of other people who work in intelligence or they're private contractors with, with, you know, various companies that have, you know, let's say government contracts or whatever. Well, we had uh, Dr. Paul Kingsbury on uh, a few months back, and you know he's a professor out of Simon Fraser University, and uh, very interested in the cultural aspects of ufology, not unlike yourself. And so we're getting people who are looking at ufology from a very academic perspective without necessarily having to say, hey, we're dealing with uh, extraterrestrial visitation. Sure. No, and and I agree, but I'm not sure if that's what we would sort of argue the Invisible College is. I think the Invisible College, in the UFO sense, are are individuals who have who are fascinated by the UFO phenomenon and and go after it as 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 a phenomenon. People like myself, who who are academics or who, who are sort of academically minded, um, who who study the culture, you know, we I have an easy cop out, right? I can say, well, I don't really study UFOs. I study people who are interested in UFOs, right? So, um, right, yeah, yeah. Like you know a, what I mean? Like, like, a, like, like a journalist who writes about UFO. I'm a journalist. Exactly. I'm not a ufologist. You know, right. don't don't label me in with the tinfoil hat wearing uh, right. UFO oh. nuts. And yeah, and oh. yeah, that I, I, I think we really have to get over that in the community and say, look, you know, like Stanton Friedman, who you know, sadly, we're no longer uh, graced with his uh, presence. But, I mean, he was a non-apologist ufologist. He would just say, look, what we're talking about are some sort of craft from another world. Sure. But, I mean, he made his career doing that. Um, And and not all of us are going to be so lucky, right? Um, It's not... It's not. It's not like if every academic suddenly quit their job and said, "You know what? I'm going to do UFOs full time," and 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 you know, they're not going to they're not going to be able to survive off that, right? Because then everyone will be doing it. Um, you know, Stanton was was able to kind of corner a market at the time, and he did it, and he did it successfully, and he and he kind of rode that train all the way up until retirement, and then came out of retirement and did it for a few more years and then like, you know, retired again. Um, no, the, the, the point I think is, is, um, the vast majority of the invisible college remains invisible because their interests are truly ufological. They're interested in how the phenomenon works. So they're really going after 
UFOs as as things in the sky or as an idea or or, or as a metaphysical concept. And and they are they they work their day job, whatever it is, whether they work for the government or a contractor or a university or whatever they do. Um, and then on the side, they they quietly pursue the UFO question. And those two worlds do not meet, right? I don't at work talk about my UFO interests and I, with my UFO friends, they sort of know what I do, but we don't really talk about that because we don't, you know, we don't want people in our normal lives to find out that we have a ufo background i think not right and well because because there's still significant taboo i mean when you really think about when you really think about who's in charge at least on an academic world i'm not an expert of on on you know the intelligence community so i I can't sit here and, and 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 um express my 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 total understanding of of how sort of intelligence and, and, and government contracts work. We're going to see how these people work. We have MJ Benias and Gene Steinberg and J. Randall Murphy, you're in The Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 800-503-8625. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. 
When you have a pain in the neck, a real pain in the neck, back, shoulder, or legs, you now have two convenient choices to get fast relief without taking another pill. Because now, Sunny Bay heating wraps and pillows are available at both Amazon and Walmart. Yes, see Sunny Bay's four and a half to five star customer reviews on Amazon.com or Walmart.com. Our microwavable heat wraps, heatable neck pillows, and extra large body wraps are designed better for perfect support where and when you need it. Even while driving, Sunny Bay wraps will not burn and stay balanced to provide soothing hot or cold therapy to help treat temporary or chronic pain. And the best part, Sunny Bay quality products start at under $20. Join thousands of happy customers and see why Sunny Bay products have a lifetime 100% positive rating on both Amazon and Etsy. It's easy. Click Amazon or Walmart and search today for Sunny Bay. Hunters, anglers, campers, and survivalists. Get back to nature. Expand your horizons with the highest quality, most versatile, unique slingshots and slingbows on the market at slingbow.com. Slingbow products are compact and models start from just $17.98. They're perfect for your bug out bag or storing in your vehicle. Give yourself and your loved ones the excitement and tradition of Slingbow. A new frontier in archery and truly modern twist on this primitive survival tool. Feel the thrill only at slingbow.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Yes, we have to see how our sponsors work because that keeps the network alive. So let's continue here in what we're covering. The book is The UFO People. Highly recommended because it'll give you an idea of the insights into the things that are going on. Now, just parenthetically, when we look at all this activity right now, it's painted as a physical phenomenon. There are real UFOs. They are probably spaceships because that's the implication here in connection with the fact also that we have discovered what appear to be exoplanets that may be able to support life as we know it. So the next logical thing is maybe they're coming here. What's your take? My personal opinion on whether it's extraterrestrials rather from another planet. It's more about conveying that impression in the latest coverage on the subject. Sure. Yeah, and and, and I think that that's where, where to the stars. And generally, again, most people I've spoken to in the Invisible College, they don't necessarily rest um, their, their beliefs on, on one idea or another. So I actually think to the stars has an, and a tip or, you know, this, this, whatever this, this organ, this group, um, they've done a fairly good job of, of remaining fairly distant from the word alien. I interviewed Anthony Lapp who did, who was the showrunner for the TV program unidentified, which is the TTSA, a tip kind of TV show. And they use the word alien like once or twice in the entire six episode series, um, because they very, they were very cautious in, in how they, they present the information. And this has kind of been the, to the stars thing a little bit, you know, when you talk to people like Kit Green or Hal Putoff or Gary Nolan, they're not going to say it's aliens from another planet because they don't have the evidence to support that. Um, it's, a hypothesis that they would say you know is possible but they're not going to sit there and say yep it's 100 aliens from here and i think that that's kind of a sane and irrational 
that's a sane and not irrational. That's a sane and rational place to stand. We don't necessarily have evidence that it's extraterrestrial from another planet, but the the media and and the mainstream media especially has really spun it that way. It's really telling when you watch the most recent coverage on on the mainstream news channels from CNN to Fox to whoever's been talking to Luis Elizondo and whatever. You know, the second question half the time out of all of those journalists and news anchors mouths is, you know, are we dealing with aliens? And and the response is always the same. It's like, well, listen, you know, we don't really know that yet. We don't have that evidence. And fundamentally, it's kind of a dumb question. But the problem is news anchors and journalists who aren't involved in the UFO community are very much kind of have been trained by the media as it's always kind of been spouting the ET narrative. When you look at movies, TV shows, when you look at anything related to UFOs, books, whatever, fiction and nonfiction, it's been really talking a lot about extraterrestrials. And that's kind of the the party line, I suppose, that's kind of been towed because that's what the mainstream media wants to spin. It's an easy thing to talk about. Yeah, UFO people believe in aliens, done. When in reality, that's not the case, right? The UFO community is not totally convinced that it's aliens from another planet. Sure, there's people who think that. There's a group of individuals, but not the whole subculture. There's a lack of unity within ufology in terms of terminology in the first place. So say if if you're with the group that I'm with, uh, you might have your own opinions. But generally speaking, when we talk about aliens, we talk about something that is from beyond the boundaries and constructs of our civilization. That means it could be from another planet. It doesn't necessarily have to be from another planet. Maybe it's from another universe, but there's less evidence that there's another universe than there are for other planets. And so what you end up with is sort of a hierarchy of reasonableness to say, well, look, if we didn't create it, and there's no evidence that it was created anywhere else on this planet, the next most reasonable explanation to assume is something extraterrestrial. So I really actually think it's a good question, but I think a lot of the answers that are given in follow-up to it aren't very good answers. It's not clarifying what we mean when we say alien. Right. No, for sure. And I think the perception that that the mainstream media sells is the typical kind of tropish alien that's presented in the X-Files or, or, or in Close Encounters or Star Trek, right? There we go again with the X-Files now. And this is back to the entertainment thing where you were saying that we have this symbiotic relationship. Now, as a ufologist myself, I loved the X-Files because of the little Easter eggs that were in there and, and the hints and the, that you could pick up on if you knew the, about the history and about things you could pick up on, like the, an anagram for Ellen's Air Force Base is like Nellis Air Force Base. And of course, that's where you know, a number of very significant real-world sightings have taken place. So you know, it was really cool stuff. And I mean, I really love the culture of it because of that. At the same time, I can take it really seriously because I know there is a truth to it. I have had a UFO experience myself. can't be explained by anything within our civilization that I know of. How about you? Have you ever seen a UFO? I have never had a UFO sighting or a paranormal experience in my life. Um, I'm a very boring person. (laughs) Oh, I don't think so, actually. I've heard you on other shows, and I'm really glad to have you on as a guest. When you say you're a boring person, you could have really fooled us. 
you know, as just someone who's been living in this world for the last six years or seven years, I kind of lost count. It's really consumed my life uh, on an academic level and it's consumed my life on a, on a reading and movie level for me to actually experience it in some real way. If somebody can guarantee me a UFO sighting or an alien encounter, I would, I would, um, I'm there just, you know, give me a, <laughs> a time and place. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Right. Everyone wants to see a UFO. Well, you must know people, though. You must have talked to people. And so I was a MUFON field investigator, so I, I've, yeah, I've, I've definitely done yeah. all of that. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So how many sort of the people have you talked to over the years? You know, just, you know, would you ask, you know, a few dozen, a few hundred people? And Oh, yeah, I would probably say a few hundred minimum, I think. Yes, what is it? Sorry, Randall, you were asking me a question there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, it was about how many I people, was. right? How many people and I... Right. Yeah. Like over the years, just the social cultural aspect of it, you were immersed in the culture. And so you you would find, I'm sure then, because of that, that quite a few people had had experiences that you were personally connected to. So, you know, one level removed from literally hundreds of people who have had experiences that must have left an impression on you. Oh, certainly. I mean, you you definitely walk away from this research um, after speaking to like, hundreds of people who, who have had these experiences, you walk away with you know your grasp on what's real and what isn't being slightly loosened because ultimately you trust a lot of these people and, and you meet, like I've made a lot of friends um, over the last six years who have had experiences from in various, par- various paranormal sorts from UFOs to whatever. Um, and, and they, you know, they're not lying to me as far as I can tell it serves them no purpose to lie. Um, so, you know, why lie at all? You know what? These announcements will not be lies either. Okay. So pay attention to them. Some will say they demand your attention, but that's just a joke. They don't demand your attention. There are no subliminal words on this show. MJ, Gene, Randall, you're in the Paracast. for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I started fighting the IRS over 40 years ago when they tried to seize my mother's house. I sued the IRS and won. I beat the IRS then, and I've been beating them ever since. I wrote the book on tax debt settlement, and I've helped thousands of people deal with tax problems they thought might never be solved. I can help you too. If you owe taxes you can't pay, don't wait another day. There's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, danpilla.com. That's danpilla.com, danpilla.com. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug out house that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement, you bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. USA Radio News with Wendy King. Target stores get pretty busy on Saturdays, and they get even busier right before Father's Day. So, there were a lot of frustrated people when suddenly the cash...
cash registers stopped working correctly. Target says there was an internal technical glitch that stopped shoppers cold for about two hours across the country. WBBM reporter Jim Goodis. Carol Moore was shopping at the Target. She said it was clear something wasn't quite right as soon as she walked in and saw long lines at the registers. They said their global system was down, so it was affecting all the targets in the area, I guess. But by the time she was done shopping about 90 minutes later, the registers were working properly and the long lines were gone. More and other customers said Target employees made sure customers knew what was happening and kept them posted until the situation was resolved. This is USA Radio News. Are you struggling with addiction or alcohol problems? If you're depressed, drinking, and using drugs, you may need help. And the Affordable Care Act guarantees coverage of substance abuse. I knew I could get myself out of this. I just needed some hope and some help. I took the first step to recovery when I made the call. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-854-1055. 800-854-1055. I feel like I'm losing control. I'm afraid I'll lose my job or even my family. Call now for hope and help with proven gentle recovery programs. I never thought that I could be somebody who didn't drink and use drugs. I'm in recovery, getting the help I need. Call the Addiction Hope and Helpline now for a free assessment with someone who cares. Call 800-854-1055. 800-854-1055. 800-854-1055. Hey everyone, Proactive MD has an incredible offer for our radio listeners only. Stay tuned for our exclusive offer that includes a free charcoal pore cleansing brush and free shipping. Proactive MD with prescription strength adapalene can heal and prevent future breakouts. Today, for just $19.95, we're offering listeners the three-piece Proactive MD system with free shipping, plus a free gift, the new charcoal pore cleansing brush. Get this exclusive offer by calling now, 1-800-583-8662, or go to Proactive.com and enter promo code radio you heard right proactive md plus free shipping and a free gift the new charcoal pore cleansing brush you'll get all this for just $19.95 and their 60-day money-back guarantee you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or you get your money back call now 1-800-583-8662 that's 1-800-583-8662 or go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio again go to proactive.com and enter promo code radio This is Micah Hanks of the Grayling Report, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. MJ Benias is author of The UFO People about the UFO subculture. Now, the expectations of disclosure from the 50s with Major Keogh, now with the To the Stars Academy. It's the same thing. The government knows the secret about UFOs, and they're going to tell us. Although the current revelation about a secret Pentagon UFO study that came to the fore more or less indicated there's nothing to disclose. So we have that contradiction. What's your perception? Yeah, I think I think disclosure has been kind of playing the same game for a long time. And it's kind of this, it's, it's funny, it's sort of a self-preservation game, right? It, it's a world where the government needs to tell us the truth. And every time the government gives us any information, it's not the whole truth and there's more. Therefore, the government needs to tell us the truth. 
and then they give us the truth, but then it's obviously not the truth because it's the government, therefore, they need to give us the truth, right? It becomes very circular. It's a sort of this circular argument uh, of the truth that is provided is never enough truth, therefore. And I think the disclosure movement has always kind of wanted the same thing. And, and when you talk to people who are involved in disclosure or, or, or engage in, in that sort of aspect of the subculture, really, I think fundamentally what they want is, is the government to simply like present an alien body or something like it, it has to be so significant that it, it kind of undoes that, that circular argument, this, this self eating snake that, that the disclosure movement is. And, and ultimately it's never going to be enough. Right. And, and like you said, from Kehoe to, to the modern day, the disclosure movement has, has always kind of been playing this similar song and ultimately, I'm not sure if what they want as a, as a sort of, as, as an ideological movement within the UFO community, because like I said, unless it's literally just a body or, you know, here's the flying saucer we built because we got technology from these guys and whatever, um, you know, I think that that's, what's going to really end disclosure as an actual force and to kind of bring it now. Okay. We've, we've finally had disclosure and, and people are going to disagree with me. I know I'm going to take flack for this because there's a lot of people within the disclosure movement who, who would argue, well, listen, we already live in disclosure. Disclosures already happened with the Pentagon thing and the Navy thing and, and all of these announcements and these pilots coming forward and seeing UFOs and talking about it and the gun camera footage. Disclosures already happened, man. So Benias, you're wrong. We're now living in confirmation, uh, which is fine. And, and I'm happy for those people if they've, if they've found their little version of disclosure. Um, but, but really, but, but really what, what has been disclosed, um, fundamentally nothing, UFOs exist. There's never really been a question of that. Everyone knows UFOs exist. Well, it, you make it, a really good point. It's, though, it's the right? source. That's really the big question, right? That's, yep. that's, I think, what fundamentally disclosure wants. As, as soon as people have a confirmation in their mind about their own theory and their own belief, then they believe that the question has been answered. Right. But then those confirmation people still lament the fact that, oh, but the government is still lying to us because while everyone knows UFOs exist and we've had disclosures, now we're in the living in confirmation, you know, the government should just tell us the truth about the aliens now. The rest of the truth. The rest right? of and the story. Like, oh my, like they don't like don't you see you're still in it? Like you're still in the cycle. <laughs> yeah. So I get I get a little frustrated because again, I'm an outsider, right? I'm not a born and bred UFO researcher. I I, I was I, I I began looking at the UFO question not as looking at the UFO question, but looking at the community. So so my introduction to the UFO world was not via UFOs. It but you're was, part of the community now. Oh, I totally am. Man, I drank the Kool-Aid. Like, self-admittedly, <laughs> I am, It'd be pretty am, hard to say you're not, you know? I'm on those ATS forums, like, every day looking to see what's going on. UFO Reddit, you know, I'm on the... I'm on the Facebook and the Twitter checking up on everybody. Like, I, oh, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm an active member of, of this community. But... Um, well, so so who is your book really aimed at then? Like, is it aimed at the community or is it aimed at people like sociologists or people who are maybe on the fringe or the periphery? Yeah. And they're just wondering, like, well, like, what is this really all about? Like, who, who are you really aiming for when you were writing the book? 
Yeah, it's this is such a good question because when you look on Amazon, right? Like when you look at the rankings of of the categories you're in, like UFOs, I'm in the UFO category, I'm in the paranormal category, and then I'm in the the media studies, cultural studies category, right? So I've kind of I think I'm targeting those three groups. I think I think fundamentally the book is designed for the UFO community itself as a sort of like here's a mirror, look at yourself, and then. The other portion of the book, the other, I guess, community the book is targeting is, is um, people within the cultural studies field, people within media studies, people within critical theory who do academic work on culture, who do academic work on subcultural studies. Talk um, to us a bit about critical theory and exactly what you mean by that. Sure. Critical theory was born uh, as a sort of philosophical discipline in, I suppose, the late, early 1900s as, as a sort of response to, um, I guess, what you could sort of say more traditional philosophy. So, so critical theory is designed more to look at um, culture and, and ideologies that, that form within culture and in society. Um, versus sort of what philosophy tradition dealt with, which is like metaphysics, epistemology, ontolo- uh, ontology, um, rhetoric, argumentation. So, so when you kind of look at the divide between critical theory and, and philosophy, the best way to kind of perceive it, critical theory is the philosophy of culture, um, you know, of, of media, of, of music, of, of television, of film, of, of just politics, economics, whatever, um, feminism, um, queer theory, LGBTQ theory, whatever. Um, this is what cultural studies does. It's philosophy of, of cultural movements and, and cultural frameworks and ideas. Um, the stuff that, that philosophers, kind of more traditional, stodgy philosophers, don't want to touch because they want to talk about whether God exists, right? Cultural theory, critical theory, rather, kind of focuses more on, you know, let's talk about why TV shows sort of look at look at this angle of, of an idea or, or, or they talk about film and, and that type of thing. So, so when I talk about critical theory, that, that's sort of what I mean. Interesting. Yeah, it seems quite involved and uh, it would be very, this would be a very complex subject because it would, it touches on so many aspects of culture and philosophy and science. Uh, There's virtually no part of our society today that isn't touched in some way by the UFO phenomenon. As I was mentioning earlier, all the way from the lonely Maytag repairman who's, you know, abducted by ufos to the close encounters of the third kind or tv shows or news broadcasts it's cartoons the simpsons it's everywhere it's it's all over the place it's become a background sort of like the background noise of our modern culture right no totally um you know i've said it before um ufology is is very much and always has been sort of a philosophical practice. Um, you know, science can only do so much within UFO studies, uh, only because the UFO doesn't follow the rules or the laws of science in any way. So I think we can, if, if we had enough um, objective information, data that we can sink our teeth into, then, then there is um, a scientific component. Like I'm a member of, the SCU. So I do believe that that science does play a role in understanding the UFO phenomenon. However, well, I think, yeah. So I you'd think, be familiar with Kingsbury right. then, yes. and uh, and well, uh, and what you're talking about then. I mean, 
if you're talking about critical theory, well, that's in some ways one of the central things it seems to be doing is sort of like politicizing social problems in in a way that is against cultural and historical context. So it, it, if we're talking about UFOs, then you're saying, well, okay, it's okay to believe in UFOs, or maybe it's not okay to believe in UFOs, depending on your cultural context. Right. You know what's okay, for sure. ladies and gentlemen? It's okay to break for a few pieces of business and get back with MJ Benias talking about the UFO people, not the sky people, the UFO people. Mm-hmm. With Gene and Randall, you're in the Paracast. You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's The Coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Do you feel like many of us? All the distractions in the world taking our minds and focus off what really needs to get done day to day? Well, Jeunesse has a dietary supplement called Mind to help with mental distraction and it supports memory function. Go to GCNLife.com now to check it out. You're only at your best when your mind is at its best. Go to GCNLife.com or call toll free 844-443-6637. That's GCNLife.com or 844-443-6637. Warning, if you're drowning in debt you can't afford, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to pay it all back, because you don't. 
What the credit card companies don't want you to know is that there's actually a way to get debt-free without paying off your entire debt or going bankrupt. If you have $5,000 or more in credit card debt, you now have the right to let us settle that debt for a fraction of what you owe. For free information, call Credit Associates now. 1-800-959-5759. We'll even show you how much money you could save. If you can't afford to pay off all your debt, do not let the credit card companies trick you into thinking that you have to. Call Credit Associates now for free information on how to get debt-free faster than you ever thought possible without debt consolidation or bankruptcy. We depend on your success and offer a guarantee, so there's no risk. For free information, call now. 1-800-959-5759. That's 1-800-959-5759. 1-800-959-5759. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But soon, you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps. The ultimate fully functional, off-the-grid mobile survival bug-out house that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. This is Marie D. Jones, the author of This Book is from the Future, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. I just wonder, here, getting back to what the government may know or disclose, with the Pentagon UFO study, the indication was, after all these years, the Pentagon knows nothing or that study was a red herring maybe to appease senator harry reed former senator reed and just misdirect attention that's a good conspiracy theory isn't it it could be you know i think i think the reason why the pentagon program didn't find anything is because i think ufos by their very nature um will never leave anything behind to be found. They'll leave little breadcrumbs, you know what I mean? They'll, they'll leave little snippets of data that can be studied, but they'll never just, you know, be like, oh yeah, here you go, here's everything. Um, this was interesting, when, when you kind of talk to individuals like Gary Nolan or, or, or Hal Putoff, you know, they've sort of speculated that maybe whatever is behind the UFO phenomenon is, is, is just kind of leaving us little breadcrumbs along the way, right, for our own development, maybe. Um, so, so I think that that the Pentagon program didn't get anywhere because whatever is responsible for the phenomenon didn't allow it to get anywhere. Right. Yeah. Well, that seems to be the case for sure. Just before the break, there, uh, I sort of cut you off though. Uh, we were talking a bit about critical theory and how you're a member of the SCU, uh, which is really cool. And you were going to, you were just going to be continuing. Oh, sure. On there. Yeah. So, let, yeah, let's pick up on that again. Sure. Yeah. So I think I think science does have to play a role within the UFO phenomenon. I think I think you know science does need to start getting itself more actively involved. And I think scientists who are interested in UFOs need to start engaging in the study a little more. I think though UFOs have have always been, and I think ufology, even from its very beginning, has never really been a science. It's always been a philosophy, because fundamentally, when you look at what ufology does, is it is it calls into question 
sort of ancient and new philosophical questions, right? It, it, it talks about, you know, are we alone in the universe? What is our purpose? How do we know what we know? It, it questions, you know, what reality is and do we actually have access to sort of something objective when it comes to reality or are we dealing with a more relativistic subjective approach to reality? How does culture influence the UFO phenomenon? Um, how does culture influence our interpretation of the UFO phenomenon, right? So we're really dealing as ufologists and I, I've called myself a ufologist just now, so I'm going to throw up a little in my mouth. But um, be, No, actually be proud of it. Own it. <laughs> I do. I call myself a ufologist. We got to really talk about this some more, too, because this whole idea that, that we, we can't call ourselves ufology, ufologists or use the word UFO, and we have to instead call it a UAP or something like that, I think there's a real problem with that attitude within ufology, personally then I don't recommend you go to my YouTube channel and, and watch my video where I talk about why ufology doesn't exist. I would say just stay away from that video. Oh, no. <laughs> now I'm even more interested. To be able to discuss it, I think, is really important. Right. I mean, and, when, and, and, because you another, make a valid point. You know, the ufology is a cultural activity these days right. more than a scientific one. Right. And, and so, and, you know, we've got a different definition of it. Sure. On the right. Ufology Society International website, for example. So right. like we, we, we say it's the title used for the array of subject matter and activities associated with an interest in UFOs. Mm-hmm. I right? mean, it's funny because this conversation is very much a philosophical conversation, right? We're talking exactly. about like semantics and semiotics. And, but it and, matters and because sure if we does. don't get that right, then nobody knows what it is we're really talking about, do they? Right. But it's always been like that. Like, I mean, you know, ufology has always been like this. We, we never agree. (laughs) You know what I mean? How can we agree then? I mean, and this was one of the central questions that I've always had as well. And my assumption when I started out, and maybe I'm not sure if you've had a similar experience, is that, well, all I need to do is track back to history and find objective historical evidence that follows a trail and can be written down and documented as to what has happened. And therefore, we can, from that, have a common understanding of what these different concepts and words mean. But that didn't work. No. Because people will will just go, people just go, well, I don't care about the history or where that came from. This is what I think, and this is what I want it to be about. And therefore, that's going to be my platform. And if you don't like it, change the channel and watch something else, right? Right. The ufology has never had an ivory tower. It's never had an a body that that governs it, right? UFO discourse in the UFO community has always been a sort of anarchic state, the sort of perfect democracy where people simply vote with their feet um, and just, like you said, change the channel. So what you would ultimately need to establish as a community for ufology would be some sort of governing system that oversees who is a ufologist and who isn't. Um, because ultimately, you can't have people just doing whatever they want, because then that you're, you're, you're not an ology. Anyone who is an ologist in a sort of an academic sense has to follow the rules given to them by the governing bodies and organizations that establish them. So well, there's you know, some sort of framework. So if it were to become right. an and academic for those, set, Right. And there's penalties for those who break that framework. And, and right? this is something that, that I've advocated for quite a while and had, had a lot of pushback on is that I actually think that ufology, rather than being in the sciences, like in engineering, physics, 
astronomy, that side of mathematics, that side of the scientists is much better suited for the humanities. I agree. because And, and there, there you could out. actually have a faculty of, of ufology because you've got all of these things that are relevant that you could study. Sure, I agree with you. I think I think the problem, though, is is again a huge component of ufology is that cultural aspect, and you're always going to have the David Wilcox and the Corey Goods coming out who are going to ultimately throw you know the real work under the bus for the sake of views and clicks and and subscribers or, or whatever. That's right. okay because you guys like you and I and other say serious ufologists can say, well, hey. We can look at Corey Good, good and put him in the uh, you know the card catalog along with everybody else and and uh, say well look he's just another facet of the ufology culture who tends to believe this and promote these ideas and we can look at it very objectively and sure. say well where on the map of it all does he fit right. and look and and look at it very objectively and very academically. I agree. I mean, but ultimately that we're, we're kind of doing that like anyway, like it's not like, you know, I'm not sure anyone in this conversation right now or any of the audience actually takes sort of Corey Good or David Wilcox seriously. I don't think the, the, the fine listeners of the Paracast fall for that type of nonsense. So you said it, I didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. So you, but, please uh, email me. Um, no, you know, fundamentally, I think this is kind of occurring, um, in a, in a way, right. Um, you're never going to see David Wilcock grace and, and a scientific coalition for ufology conference, um, where sort of, I would argue the real ufological work, if that's a thing is being done. Right. Um, so, so no, I, like, I agree with you to a point. I think, I think if ufology could somehow get together and actually create some sort of academic process, an academic system, a governing body, that would be amazing. Um, and I would pay money to see that, that's for sure. Um, but again, you know, I'm not sure if it would work just because ufology has never had that. And ufology has, has never been able to, to do that. The largest UFO groups today don't have the ability to manage their own people and resources and, and, and allocate who's what, um, and establish credibility. Um, so that, that's, you know, kind of the inherent problem I think we're dealing with as a culture and as a community. Undoubtedly. Yeah. I mean, we had, uh, yeah, groups like QFOs, I mm-hmm. think came as close as you could get with Heineck being a genuine scientist, astronomer, and, we all know who in ufology who he was and qfos i think has come the closest of all the groups to doing that the problem is they they existed in a time before the internet right so now you know anyone can be an accredited ufo researcher and can walk around saying that and can write a blog and start a youtube channel like i did and suddenly people listen to them um Potentially, I've only got like 900 subscribers, so not a lot of people listen to me. But um, you know what I mean? Like, what to be a UFO researcher, you can just kind of, you know, spin around three times and click your heels together, and you are one. Um, and, and and well, I I wouldn't say it's quite that simple. And it's uh, it's there. You do have, have been to on know quite a bit. Yes. Uh, well, no, I didn't. I haven't published anything on YouTube. No, no. But what, but what, like, what I mean though is, is I mean, you could go look at UFO research on YouTube who who have thousands and thousands and thousands of followers. Who, well, somebody who is making just, money from this, ladies and gentlemen, but certainly <laughs> not us. We have a YouTube channel. Don't get me started. We got four more segments to spend <laughs> with MJ Benias, author of the UFO People. Yeah, here they come. No. 
with Gene and Randall in <laughs> the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items and entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag, all sorts of T-shirts and jackets and stuff like that for men and women. We have a Paracast aluminum water bottle. All this stuff, you go to store.theparacast.com, store.theparacast.com. What makes it special is that the items are the best quality, you know, great T-shirts, fabrics, and they have our official logo on them. That's what makes them special in multiple sizes and colors. We even have stuff for children, stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. If you go to store.theparacast.com, stop by and take a shopping tour. Extendivite really works. Just listen to what some people have to say. About six months ago, my wife bought Extendivite. She didn't tell me she was giving it to me. So after about three days, I said, maybe, you know, maybe the weather's changed or something. I said, my, my, my legs feel really good. And she goes, well, I've been giving you this stuff, and it was the Extendivite. And you know that I'm about 75% better. I can actually climb stairs now, and I can get up out of chairs. I can, I can even get down, and, you know, I got to work under a table or a computer table and work on a computer. I can actually get back up off the floor. You know what? It's an amazing product. I can't believe, I didn't think anything short of having surgery was going to help. Extendivite is only $69.95 for a two-month supply of either capsules or liquid. Call now. That's 1-877-928-8822 or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now... Here's Gene Steinberg. There are no UFO people here. There aren't? I'm one. (laughs) I am a UFO people. I'm all of the UFO people. I'm for UFO people. I really think UFO people are some of the most best people there are out there. So all you UFO people out there... You're just fabulous people and keep on being UFO people. You should, because you're an amazing group. And really, actually, I mean, we're kind of joking about it, but really it is an amazing group when you consider the age in this that we live in, that there is a section of our population out there. And not all ufologists or UFO people do necessarily believe that Earth has been visited visited by aliens, but there are quite a few people who do, myself included and who have had the experiences firsthand to back it up. When you think that there's that many people out there who know from their own firsthand experience that this is taking place, it is really quite an amazing thing. Oh, sure. And, and I think that what the book really 
tries to point out is that, you know, the UFO community is not just this core group of, of ufologists or the hardcore researchers or whatever, you know, what really becomes really fuzzy. And I, and I talk about this in the book a lot is who's, who is a UFO person and who isn't right. Who's in the community. And, and, and really when you, when you look at it, you know, does that anyone who's had an, a UFO sighting, are they a member of the UFO community, right? Are they a UFO person? Uh, I would say so. I'd right, say anyone and, who has had a genuine UFO experience, and by UFO, I don't simply mean the literal, they've seen some vague light in the sky. I'm talking about your hardcore USAF definition where you've looked at everything else it could possibly have been, and it's not that, which means it can only be one other thing, and that's some kind of an alien craft. Now, when you've seen something that specifically close up enough, to know that you're not looking at anything that our civilization's made. You have had an experience that makes you part of a family of people out there, others uh, who have had similar experiences. And, and it's hard to describe unless you've actually had that experience yourself. So those people, I, I consider them part of a larger group of kind of my family out there that maybe it's dysfunctional, maybe not all of them are, are you know, uh, say, the upstanding citizens, but some of them are. We've got, they range from every walk of life, but we share this one common thing that we know. We're not alone. There's something else going on. Yeah, I, I agree with you to a point. I, I think, I mean, a lot of people have seen just a strange light in the sky and they thought it was something, you know, otherworldly. And then they started researching and then all of a sudden, you know, eight years later, they are, you know, members of the UFO community through that. Right. right. Through yeah. There's, there's the research so, people, which is totally. Right, cool. But they still saw something, right? They still had they still yeah. had an event in their lives that influenced mm-hmm. them to pursue it sure. um, and then become members. So so again, that's that's the real problem. Right. We can't necessarily say that there is this sort of core group or there's there's like there's the real UFO people and there's like the fake poser UFO people like that's that's, that's an impossible <laughs> That's an impossible delineation <laughs> to make because how do you know who's who? Well, ultimately, yeah. there's no way to prove any of it. Um, I suppose if you're just if it's obvious you're just some sensationalist who's making up stories that are okay. You can't prove, you know, like we were talking about the Corey Good types and so on. You can't necessarily prove or disprove that. But at some point or another, you're going to know who's the bad actors and who's. Oh, listen everyone thought Stan Romanuk was a solid guy. Everyone did for a long time. Stan was... Everyone? We all thought he was a kook. Not everyone, but a lot of people were like, hey, Stan Romanuk, he is a stand-up UFO experiencer, hybrid abductee, blah, blah. Like, they all went down that road and he was definitely a member of the UFO community. You know, until the whole child porn conviction. And then suddenly we're like, well, well, you know, Maybe we should take a step back. So again, my book problematizes this idea, right? I I think the UFO community is wonderful. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, I am totally in, but I think 
we don't necessarily know where to draw those lines all the time. Because also you have members of the paranormal community, the ghost hunting community, you have members of the Bigfoot and cryptozoological communities all getting involved in UFOs as well. John Keel wrote a book about Mothman, but a huge chunk of that book is about flying saucers and men in black who are engaged in sort of the UFO and it's a cryptid as well. So you kind of get this massive blurry line of we're not really sure where the UFO community exists and where we can create an actual distinction between who's who and who's what and who fits where. And I think that this is the inherent problem for ufology in general to become a legitimate like ology that that has an academic background that has an ivory tower that establishes rules for it and and you know ultimately people are going to walk in and out and kind of say whatever they want and it might be real you know it might be legitimate you know that little lady old lady who sees a ufo light in the sky very far away has a a life-changing moment and suddenly she believes in aliens and then she writes books about ufos and no one would argue she she isn't a member it, it, it's it's incredibly blurry, and 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 I love that about the UFO community, it, and that's why it I all agree depends with on the perspective you start with. You know, for for me as a ufologist, I start with UFOs and ufology at the top of the flow chart, and from there it branches out into all right. of the various subcategories. But you could right. just as easily do that, say, from the perspective as you were saying of say uh, Bigfoot hunters. So at the top of their flow chart of Bigfoot studies it would be Bigfoot. Yeah, and then and it would branch like, out and somewhere in there would be UFOs. UFOs. And now we're coming back to this whole idea about the whole UAP thing. Because that's what and, and this is this is what has bothered me about some of the other groups that are out there and even the SEU going away from Coalition for Ufology to UAP. I mean UAP is not a word. UFO is. It's been it's in the Oxford dictionary. It's accepted now as part of the modern English language, and it means a very specific thing. Whereas UAP, it really doesn't. If you're starting from that perspective, you've got UAP, and then you've got sort of, well, it could be some unknown natural living phenomena, or geological phenomena, or astronomical phenomena, or meteorological phenomena. And then somewhere down the list, well, it might be a craft from outsider civilization or another world. So for me, it's like, look, I'm not interested in all of the rest of it. I'm interested in UFOs. Where are these alien craft coming from? And what the heck actually are they? And how do they work? Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of thing. And, and I think by taking it and calling it, well, it's a UAP, and I'm not really sure what I'm talking about, we're really muddying the waters. We're defocusing ourselves on the most important aspect of the entire subject matter. Sure. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I agree with you. I, I, I agree with you and I don't agree with you. Maybe Let, let's put it that way. And, and that's fine. You know what I mean? Hey, well, we're that, it's, it's not a matter of agreeing. It's okay. So if you have a different perspective, then where, where do we draw these lines? Like, yeah, so, so how do you see it unfolding down? Then if you want to start with UAP at the top, Because we can go to NARCAP and we can look up their definitions and that's how it works for them. UFOs are down the ladder on it. They're not talking about the same thing, right? Right. I I think the move to UAP, I think politically, is just simply to get away from the cultural baggage that the term UFO carries, right? 
I think that's all it is. I, I, but the I, like, cultural I mean, baggage is some of the most uh, beautiful, crazy stuff that there is if you want to look at it from an objective point of view, like we were just talking about earlier. Oh, you're preaching to the choir, man. I totally agree with you there. So, like, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna begin by saying I'm not necessarily sure. Like, I, I agree with you in the sense that I think I like like I like the word UFO because whenever I have a conversation with anybody, they I'm talking about. Um, you know exactly. what I mean? So, like, when when people. Um, when, when, when people talk to me, it's like, you know, what do you do? I, I wrote a book about UFOs. They're like, oh, I know what that is. I know what this is. And you'll find out too. MJ, Gene, and Randall, you're in the Paracast. Attack of the Rockoids has been well-received by critics and readers alike. It's a -a thrill-a-minute story you'll never forget. A former U.S. military intelligence officer is haunted by intense dreams about a beautiful woman pleading for his help after a terrible battle in outer space. But the dreams turn out to be true and thrust him into a telepathic love affair with a woman whose faraway planet is intent on destroying the Earth. And now the gripping tale continues in The Coming of the Protectors. It's the second book of the Rockoids trilogy, a galaxy-spanning adventure that pits our hapless heroes against powerful, fanatical enemies that threaten the lives of freedom-loving beings everywhere. Attack of the Rockoids and The Coming of the Protectors, classic science fiction at its best, available now. For more details, visit rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control over your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services and take advantage of the Fresh Start program and new laws that may allow us to negotiate a settlement for the lowest amount possible. Our team of tax attorneys and enrolled agents can stop collections and get you protected so you can take control of your financial future. Tax Mediation Services is accredited by the Better Business Bureau. Call now for a free case review and a price protection guaranteed quote. Call Tax Mediation Services now at 800-301-5435. That's 800-301-5435. 800-301-5435. Complement your health with hemp-derived cannabinoid oil. We've always believed that the closer to Earth, the better it is for our bodies. Our hemp-derived cannabinoid oil is phytocannabinoid-rich, full-spectrum, and organically grown. Finally, hemp made easy, clean, and effective. GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. That's right, we cut through the red tape. It's now available at GCNHemp.com or call 877-878-4203. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers 
customers simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. By now, you know that wireless technology like cell phones do, in fact, pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blocket Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. Before we get back into UFO, UAP, Flying Saucer, MJ Benias, we're going to ask you to consider... Signing up with the Paracast Plus. Go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. What do we offer you? We offer you a version of this show free of the network ads with better quality audio. We also offer the After the Paracast podcast. You never know what's going to happen next with that. We also feature William Puckett's weekly review of recent UFO sightings. To find out more, plus.theparacast.com. So... You guys prefer UFO. I grew up with Flying Saucer. UAP is supposed to, I guess, sound more respectable. But if you say UAP to the people, 99.9% will say, what's that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no, you know, unidentified aerospace phenomenology, right? Like, like right. It's, it, it just right. doesn't work. Sure. Well, I think, I think again, the, 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 the term UAP, I think, exists because the term UFO carries cultural baggage. And and if there's a movement to try and make UFOs seem sort of real and authentic and and not connected to tinfoil hat wearing sort of kooks, which is what the media has kind of portrayed, you know, the, the change in terminology would be, I suppose, an appropriate move. If one was to, if one was to, if you want to buy into that, you know, but the, the problem right is is like i was saying earlier kind of everyone already knows what ufos are so so exactly. maybe the process ought to be to change what ufos means on a cultural level away from the tinfoil hat kookiness to a more acceptable i don't i don't use the term sanitized but a more sanitized kind of understanding of that term well, what we need to, to do away is just from lose the cultural baggage the, the weird ufo alien people we just need to lose the cultural you know baggage. i mean like the, the weird kind of tinfoil hat ufo stuff yeah but who is that exactly like what i hear is actually people who are in support of this whole uap terminology thing creating more of a problem by saying that that exists then there is a problem that exists in the first place because i've been in ufology for a long time and i see a lot of different people with a lot of different beliefs some people who studied it very seriously others who are kind of out there but it's all part of the same 
social and cultural, and for that matter, scientific set of studies. It's just got a spectrum that goes from being, say, perfectly academic to very loosely social. Right. And I think that, that that's what, what a lot of people struggle with, right? I think people struggle with that cultural baggage because they have the perception that they're being lumped in with the weird Corey Good stuff. Because, you know, Corey Good uses the term UFOs suddenly and being lumped into it. It's kind of always been like that, right? That kind of kooky tinfoil hat wearing sort of UFO aspect. And then the more academic, rigorous, scientific UFO aspect. So I think what we need to appreciate, and I think where, where my perspective, I think, is different than most people within the UFO community. Well, is- hang on. <laughs> the, the United States Air Force studied this seriously for over 22 years. They still okay. are studying it, most and likely. that's an, and exactly, and that was the Navy and the Department of, you know, the intelligence, the DIA. So, if we want to only focus on a few people who are kind of out there on the fringe, we can do that in any area of study that you want to choose. And look at medicine, for example. There's no end to the number of quacks that are out there, but we don't take all of medicine and decide we're not going to call it medicine anymore because there's a bunch of quacks out there. You see what I'm saying here? What we need to do if we're serious ufologists is support the field instead of undermining ourselves by saying, well, I want to distance ourselves from the very people who are a part of the field itself. Yeah. No, listen, you're you're preaching to the choir, man. I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just presenting the other side, I suppose, right? Right, yeah. No, because because again, as someone who studies culture, I view the UFO idea, the UFO community, the UFO people, whatever, from that bird's eye view, because I'm, I'm not in the UFO research community proper. I, I'm, I, like I said, I studied the, the people who do the research. So, so for me, the term UFO and, and the reason why I like it is because it, it covers that spectrum, like you said, right? Again, studying it from a cultural perspective, I want to see the kookiness and the quackery and i want to see the hardcore academic and the hardcore scientific study as well um, and everything in between um, we can sit here and we can badmouth sort of david wilcock or Corey good uh, until our faces turn blue <laughs> that's funny let's, let's not blue, let's not <laughs> the, the blue avians right that was i didn't mean that yeah, pun, good one yeah but that it was... just kind of came out that's how, but i mean there's still an important aspect of the ufo culture right like they still carry a lot of cash within it and their discourse their 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 sort of messaging their con artistry carries with it a lot of weight within the community i mean they fill conferences um, of people who believe in ufos and and investigate and research ufos so um you know we, we have to take them with it as well like we have to take the hoaxes and we have to take the charlatanry as much as we have to take the real research that's being done we don't have to like it but we unfortunately have to take it because on a cultural level it's all part of the same game Oh, certainly. If you were going to study it, as we were saying before, if there was a department of ufology in an academic institution, there would be that segment of the cultural aspect of the subject matter. 
And we can look at it objectively and say, well, these people believe that particular thing. And, well, we don't seem to think that there's a lot of objective reasoning going on there uh, or necessarily a lot of objective truth to it. But it is quite fascinating to, to listen to their stories and see how people react to them on a cultural level. Right. And that's what ufology is about. It's about the that as much as it is getting to the bottom of whatever these material strange craft are that has opened the door for people to create these personas or as uh as christopher o'brien our former co-host would say the uh, cult of personality that's a good one yeah the actors within the ufo world no, I, I, I think you're right. And, and you know, uh, this conversation is making me rethink whether I think ufology is real or not. Um, I guess, yeah, I've always personally perceived ufology as being the study of the UFO phenomenon itself as sort of an objective research into the phenomena versus ufology as being a study of the cultural aspects of the field or, or ufology, right? So by your definition, ufology right. is a cultural study as much as it is the study of the phenomenon. So a ufologist, can study, a ufologist can study the UFO people as much as sure, he or she can study the UFO itself. They right? can be I, like Jerome Clark, who's a historian and, and written right. the UFO encyclopedia. Fabulous sure. ufologist. So this, this, is, this, is, this is perhaps where our definitions, like this is, I think, where our definitions just simply differ. At different... Very different. More to come. Two more segments to spend with MJ and Gene and Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today. Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Would you like to get back that full head of hair from years past? Now, there is Reveal. Beverly Hills celebrity dermatologist Dr. Nathan Newman took nearly a decade to develop Reveal from natural botanicals to return to a full-body head of hair. Reveal for men and women with a 30-day money-back guarantee at GCNLife.com or toll-free 844-443-6637. 844-443-6637. Reveal at GCNLife.com. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. Target officials say a global outage would shut down checkout registers at most, though not all, of its stores yesterday was not caused by hackers or by a virus, but by an unspecified internal network problem. This man was at a Target on New York's Long Island. He says he had just grabbed some Father's Day cards when he noticed the checkout lines were unexpectedly long. wasn't about to go to another store. I loved the cards that I picked. sort of waited out. I had nothing else really to do. The problem corrected at most locations a couple of 
hours after it began. Newark, New Jersey's Liberty International Airport opened again after it was shut down when a United Airlines jet slid off a runway on landing yesterday. The flight was coming in from Denver when officials say it experienced multiple flat tires. The airline says a few of the 166 people aboard reported minor injuries. And you're listening to USA Radio News. Does your business spend $500 a month or more on gas and electric bills? Did you know by making a simple free phone call, you can save up to 25% on your bill every month? What could you do with a 25% savings on utility bills every month? Energy deregulation is now available in your state. Making one simple phone call will show you how we can lower your gas and electric bills instantly. With no changes to your bill and no enrollment fee. This is a free service. The only thing you'll notice is a lower bill every month. Call U.S. Power & Light right now. Learn how easy it is to lower your utility bills for your business and save money. We promise. So if you spend over $500 a month on your gas and electric bills, please call right now and unleash your savings. 800-941-3381. 800-941-3381. That's 800-941-3381. Hi, my name is Lily. My mom and dad used to fight about money all the time. Then one day, I heard them talking about this guy. Some uncle I never knew called Uncle Sam. Well, they say this Uncle Sam guy wanted them to pay him like a gazillion dollars. And they didn't have a gazillion dollars. So they called this company they heard on the radio called The Tax Doctor. And The Tax Doctor worked with Uncle Sam's people. I think they're called the IRS. And they are able to work it out so my mom and dad didn't have to pay Uncle Sam very much money at all. So now mom and dad are happy, and I'm happy too. Thanks, tax doctor. If you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS or state, call now and pay less. 800-985-1610. 800-985-1610. That's 800-985-1610. Hi, it's Grant Cameron from PresidentialUFO.com. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. Okay. We continue with the UFO people. We can't call them the UAP people. We can't call them the flying saucer people. We have to call them UFO people. MJ, Benias, Gene, and Randall. Continue. Okay, MJ, so... <laughs> This is like a TV show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, it, let's change it. Let's go down a different line. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was just going to continue on here on a slightly different tack, uh, but kind of you, like you're from Canada. And recently we had uh, Chris Rutkowski on. And when I was uh, looking up some of your stuff for the show, I happened to notice that you two are doing a little bit of work together on some projects. And so I was just kind of wondering what other projects you got in the, say, on the back burner and what you might be, uh, look, what we might be looking at after this book. Sure. Um, well, you know, Chris and I, we're, we're, we're friends. Um, we, we love each other very much. And um, most of the time we drink beer with each other and, and we just talk about UFOs. That's kind of our, our, our connection. Um, you know, we've never really discussed doing uh, any sort of major projects together. I, I have helped him in the past with his 
uh, Canadian UFO survey, which for all your listeners who don't know, Chris Rakowski runs, uh, I guess, a collection of data of all the UFO sightings across Canada that are recorded through the various large UFO organizations and then compiles a list of them and then just sort of classifies them. It's really one of the, like no one else really does work like this, even on a global scale. There's, there's very few people who, who do what he does, which is compile a list of, of UFO events every year. Um, so I've worked with him in the past on that and, and, you know, we have shared cases, um, you know, and, and, and done a bit of research together on individual cases just to kind of piece them together. Um, but you know, we've never really talked about doing anything major, um, because I, you know, I think he, you know, it's ultimately his fault that I'm involved in the UFO community. Oh, really? Um, How did yeah, that and he, happen? And because of that, I hold him like responsible and I blame him. So we're never going to do anything sort of major together because we'll probably kill each other. No, um, <laughs> he, you know, we, we met through, um, uh, another contact. There was uh, a point, a brief point in my life where I was really interested in, like the paranormal subculture. So people who, who hunt ghosts and, and that type of thing. Um, so I decided, you know, as an aspect of research, and this was before the UFO thing, I would kind of get myself involved with, um, uh, some people who, who are, are paranormal investigators. So I, I got, um, you know, I, I, I sort of, I joined the group. Um, I didn't really do any investigating. I just kind of answered their emails, uh, which was fun for me because again, for me, it's meeting the people. So I wanted to interact with people who had hauntings and, and that type of thing. So I was really their email guy and they were desperately in need of someone who could sort of write decent emails. So I was like, you know, I'll do it. Um, and, and I got myself involved there and then they knew Chris Rutkowski through a different channel. So I kind of met with him through that. Um, and then we sort of became fast friends and, and he suggested, you know, you know, you have interest in UFOs and this paranormal stuff. Have you ever thought about kind of looking at UFOs from a cultural standpoint? Um, just like you're kind of trying with these paranormal people. Um, and I had never really considered it. Uh, and then he kind of said, well, you know, come on Facebook. And he, you know, introduced me to some UFO people on Facebook. And, and then he kind of gave me a book to read. And I read another book and then I read another book. And then suddenly, you know, within a couple of years, I was writing a blog about it all. So, um, you know, that's kind of, it was his fault. He kind of brought me into this UFO community and then like kind of shoved me into it and slammed the door behind me and then, you know, swallowed the key. So I've been stuck ever since. Well, that's pretty fabulous. Uh, when we had him on the show, one of the questions that he was posing uh, in the absence of Stanton Friedman is that it leaves a really large uh, gap in the field for someone to step into the that role uh, and be able to take it over. And so he was saying, I don't know, you know, who could do that, but you know, there are younger people uh, like yourself and uh, he didn't say my name, did he? No, he didn't say, oh, <laughs> he didn't. God. I, I don't. <laughs> but he, uh, listen, I, I, folks, listen, folks, here's what <laughs> happened. Chris, Using his Ming the Merciless voice from his radio days was, has he done that voice for you yet, MJ? Using that Ming the Merciless voice, and it's fabulous, the version he does. Not the original, but the, the newer version. Anyway, he said, no, he didn't say anything behind your back. He's a good guy. No, he, he, he would never do that. He's, he's, no, he won't. Uh, I would, but I'm not so good. But if we were to nominate you, like say, or he, or say someone were to nominate you for the position, uh, 
you know, would you step up and say, hey, yeah, I'll do it. I'll get out there on that lecture circuit. I'll be, you know, out there for the next 40 years talking about UFOs and to anyone who will listen and hopefully pay something to hear me talk about them. And you will promise, uh, let, listen, man, you will promise not to use the words cosmic Watergate. Oh, well, oh, I was going to name my cult that. Um, oh, yeah, that's so, perfect. Well, listen, I, I can't guarantee anything for 40 years. But listen, I, I, I've, I have thoroughly enjoyed my time so far within the UFO community. So I have to be honest, I don't see myself going anywhere. So, you know, if any conference organizers want to have me be at their conference, I would be happy to attend. I'll be happy to talk about UFOs from a cultural perspective. Um, and I would be happy to, to uh, engage, engage with people in, in that way. So, you know, if anyone's listening and wants to throw me that bone, I am totally in. Um, will I be the next Stanton Friedman? No, I don't know if I can make that type of promise. I don't think those are shoes that I could fill much less anyone else. But hell, you know what? I'll give it a shot. <laughs> I like the attitude. You know. <laughs> I, well the I thing the thing to bear in mind though is you have a young family. Yeah. And if you become a famous UFO lecturer, you'd have to make some accommodations to either bring them along or spend some time away from them. Like a movie star. If you were a movie star, you might have to go on location. And that was one thing we talked to Stan Friedman about. The fact that his family, his wife, seldom really joined him on his lecture tours. So for weeks at a time, he was away. Now, I don't know his relationship, and he's no longer with us, bless his soul. So we don't know what kind of relationship he had with Mrs. Friedman. Maybe that was the way it worked best. You know, have him go away for a couple of weeks, do some lectures, come back. They have a reunion. Everything is hunky-dory, and that's it. Yeah, so that's the problem. I, I I really really enjoy being around my children and my wife. So for me to leave for weeks and weeks on end would be really difficult for me to yeah. to do any of that. Um, so so maybe I can't necessarily go down that road. I don't know. But I listen a conference here or there. My wife would love to get rid of me for a couple of days. So that'd be <laughs> that'd be perfect. <laughs> Will she pay for your ticket to get rid of you? No, certainly not. That is a, that, listen, conference organizers, that's on you. <laughs> well, the thing is also here, you would need to write some more books to promote. You know, more mainstream books. I think the UFO People is a good book, a really good book. But I wonder if it's for a mass audience and you have to reach a mass right. audience. Yeah, and I think I agree with you. I think UFO people was was primarily designed for the UFO community and for sort of a more cultural theory or cultural studies community. So it's definitely not necessarily a mainstream book. Um, it's very sort of ufological, I suppose, would be the, the proper term. Uh, no, so I agree with you. I, 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 that's what my next book is. Um, my research is is focused more on on the phenomenon itself. Um, to, to be catered towards a, a more mainstream audience. Um, but again, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, now that I've written a book, I, my, I'm doing a lot more due diligence on, on just kind of having everything down and secured, ready to go, so that it's just a matter of just kind of hammering it out um, versus sort of starting a book and, and kind of doing some more research and going back and tweaking and, and, and all that. So I've learned a lot of lessons from the first book. 
Another lesson to learn here. Another lesson to learn. We've got lots more to do here with MJ Benias and Gina Randall. You're in the Paracast. Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year. You get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com host. Once again, that's technightowl.com host. Host. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll need a plan and place to survive. Forget bunkers. You're not a live underground gopher. You need survivalist camps, the ultimate fully functional off-the-grid mobile survival bug outhouse that's well-equipped and custom-built to outlast any other RV or trailer. Bold statement? You bet. See them now at survivalistcamps.com. That's survivalistcamps.com. Trust your family's survival to survivalistcamps.com. Fellow patriots, my name is Todd Savage, founder of BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Like you, I was a prisoner of the alt-left sanctuary state until one day I chose to lead my family to freedom. Today we live on a sustainable 20-acre homestead where we shoot, hunt, garden, and homeschool our children without the tyranny of the nanny state looking over us. If you're ready to flee the city to the freedom of Idaho or Montana, our Black Rifle Real Estate team is here to help. Go to BlackRifleRealEstate.com. That's BlackRifleRealEstate.com. Hi, this is Dr. Joel Wallach, the Mineral Doctor. You've heard me talk about 90 for Life for years. 60 minerals, 16 vitamins, 12 amino acids, 2 fatty acids. You may not know this, that I've actually designed Arthur decks for animals. That's right. Your pets need 90 for Life, too. Get this essential pet product by calling 877-279-9422. That's 877-279-9422. Again, 877-279-9422. Have you checked your Google search results lately? Search results are usually the first impression that people form of you or your business. So make sure that they create a positive impression with Reputation Defender. What the Internet says about you can have a big impact on your life and your livelihood, even if it's not true. Fortunately, you can now control how you look online and in online search results with Reputation Defender. Call 800-831-0771 now. That's 800-831-0771 for your free reputation analysis. If you have negative material from an ex-employee, upset patient, or former client, newspaper article, legal issue, social media, or other source showing up in your search results, you can combat it with Reputation Defender. Our dedicated experts in patented technology can help make your online search results look their best. Call 800-831-0771 to learn more. 800-831-0771. That's 800-831-0771. 
Most of you know that heart disease is the number one silent killer in the U.S. What if I told you for just $54.95 a month you could fight against heart disease naturally? At Heart and Body Extract, we've been helping thousands of people get back to a healthier heart. Don't just take my word for it. Check out all of the success stories at hbextract.com. Or to order, call 866-295-5305. That's 866-295-5305. hbextract.com. Don't risk it when you can take charge of it. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We are traveling to the end of our rope here. Now, got a lot more to talk about with MJ, but let's continue where we are. Where would you like to go from here, MJ? Let's talk about making a living at UFOs because that's sure. kind of where we that's were before the break. That's a good cultural piece. You know, yeah, yeah. So we've got guys like Dolan. He's got a publishing company and he's got uh, a relationship going there. And he seems to make it work really well with his relationship. Like, you know, not like Terry Gar in uh, the uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I mean, there are people who get along and resonate with each other on this. I, th- I think, wasn't it? Uh, coast to coast am or something even had some kind of uh singles club going or something for experiencers first of all i did not know that was a thing and that is the greatest thing i've ever heard in my I life i mean there's there's a cultural thing if you want. totally yeah yeah i mean like the ufo community sorry not the ufo discourse i suppose but let's say that has has definitely spawned a whole series of various cottage industries right so as the paranormal i think that fundamentally the paranormal and i'll i'm going to throw ufos in there as well and what i mean by paranormal is not just ghosts but like all sort of odd esoteric and anomalous phenomena things that aren't normal um quote unquote it's a hugely pervasive aspect of our life i mean i, I think we humans uh, are drawn to the paranormal in some way right there's something about it that attracts us and, and, and we can kind of speculate all day as to why that is. But um, I've, I've said it before that, that I think most people have had some sort of strange anomalous encounter or, or unexplainable event in their lives that you could chalk up to being paranormal or, or sort of outside of the realm of normal. You know, I've told the story before. Um, I'm starting to sound like a broken record. I'm starting to sound like Stan Friedman and telling the same story over and over again, the same lines. I've been to parties where, where, you know, my wife will, will sort of walk to a circle of friends or a group of friends and then suddenly explain to them that I wrote a book about UFOs and then like casually walk away and leave me in this circle of friends uh, right after that comment. Um, and she does it on purpose because she just likes to watch me squirm, but, um, she knows what it also does. Well, that's because, fabulous because she's quite clever because she, she, she knows that what occurs basically is, is at first that group kind of goes, Oh, that's interesting. And there's this awkward silence. And then they're like, Oh, so, you, so tell me about your book. And they're kind of just, you know, at this point paying lip service, right? Because they don't want you to embarrass you kind of thing. But then over the course of the next two or three hours, you're pulled aside by those same people just one on one. And then they kind of be like, Hey, so, Hey, like, so you were a book on UFOs, right? Yeah. You know, my mom saw this, or my dad saw this, or my my brother did this, or I had this experience, right? And they start telling you their story, or or a story of someone they know, like a close loved one or whatever. And suddenly you realize that 
in this course of three or four hours being at this party, 25 people or 30 people have just spoken to you about their personal experiences, you know, out of a party of maybe 40 people. So you kind of have this realization that, you know, the, the paranormal, whatever it is, is, is everywhere. It's all over the place and it interacts with people all over the place. And it's, and it's UFOs and it's strange creatures and monsters and ghosts and whatever. Exactly. And so I think really it's once you break that stigmatism that we were talking about earlier and you can create an environment where people trust you to be able to talk to you about their experiences, it's amazing the kind of experiences that you can get from people. And I've had exactly the same kind of experiences you've had. You know, I'm 60 now and I've been doing this since I was a kid and I've been to, I used to be in a band, so I can tell you how many parties I've been to exact same experience. And I just unabashedly write straight out. I'm interested in UFOs. I'm interested in the paranormal. I'm interested in science as well. I take it seriously, but I look at it with a critical eye. And the next thing you know, You've got all kinds of people saying, hey, that's really cool. That's really interesting. So a lot of that stigmatism is just fear. Oh, sure. It's fear of judgment, right? It's, it's fear of the taboo, which has been established. Because again, like I, I do hold mainstream media to task for this. They've spent a lot of time creating this stigma around UFOs by turning it into the UFO community to appear as though it's a bunch of tinfoil hat wearing loons, when in reality, that's not the UFO community at all. But again, the people on that, that sort of that silent majority don't want to be lumped into that perception uh, or that, that, that ideology. Um, and it's a but, relatively few people when you think about it. There's oh, this of sort course. of relatively yeah. few highly caustic skeptics who've managed to sort of worm their way into key positions where the media itself listens to them and takes them seriously. You know, I mean, we, you, we can think of Neil deGrasse Tyson was definitely one of them. I mean, he was with the uh, PSYCOP, which is now CSI, but still, you've got that sort of an attitude. And I think he's actually had to change his attitude a little bit, too, in, since I've seen him come on, since this disclosure that's come out, with the threat identification program and that mysterious sort of uh, interstellar comet, Amuamua. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think, I think what you're going to see within the next, I'm, I can't speak to my future, but I think what you're going to see within the next five years of, of the UFO culture's future and the UFO discourse's future is you're going to see a shift in, in perception in the, the notion that UFOs are something that we should take a little more seriously. Do I think that the taboo is still going to exist? Sure. It's going to take a lot to get rid of that. But I think you're going to see a lot of skeptical minds begin to become slightly less skeptical. I think you're going to see individuals who have had no knowledge of UFOs suddenly become interested in UFOs and start pursuing them. And those individuals are going to be often high ranking people in various industries and businesses and whatever who are now going to create a, a community that that makes it sort of more acceptable to talk about ufos people i, I spoke to in, in my vice article 
was a, a gentleman by the name of Deep Prasad. He's um, he's out of Toronto. He runs a tech startup in, in quantum commute computing. He's 23 or 24 years old, um, but he's really into UFOs. So so you have this tech startup kid. You know he has venture capitalists out of Silicon Valley throwing millions of dollars at him for a startup. He's created a business with employees. Um, he's 24 years old, and he got into UFOs a year and a half ago. And he's really doing a lot of research all the time. He's on Twitter, and that's how I found him. And I managed to interview him for this article. Like it's a part of his life now. But he's going to be potentially one of the greatest multi-million-dollar technology startup wizards in the next five years. So I think you're going to have that movement occur. Right, you're going to have this shift towards a more friendly ideology towards the UFO phenomenon. That's really interesting. I think we're seeing a bit of a UFO renaissance, in all honesty. Absolutely, yeah. It, with people like that, I mean, there's a possibility for some real progress to be made. I guess money talks. It certainly does, because people with money typically have access to a lot of, of, of resources and, and social capital primarily, right? They can sway minds via media with that money. So that, that's kind of where I think it's going to head. Can you tell our listeners where to find more of your stuff? Sure. The best place to find me just in general is if you just go to mjbenias.com. It's basically just a website that links to all of my other stuff. Um, I'm on YouTube, www.youtube.com forward slash mjbenias. You can find my channel there. Please click subscribe. My blog is www.terraobscura.net. And that's where you can find all of my sort of philosophical writings on the UFO phenomenon. And last but not least, uh, my book is on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere else a book is sold. And that's the UFO people, a curious culture. Okay, you can find us on Twitter. Look for the Paracast. Look for two Paracast fan clubs on Facebook. One's a community, one's a group. Don't ask me to explain that. Look for the other radio show we do called After the Paracast, where you never know what's going to happen next and who's going to be on it. And we also give you, when you join the Paracast Plus, a version of the show free of the network ads. Better quality audio. Prices start just $1.49 a week, American dollars. So Canadian, I'm not sure how that works, but it gets translated automatically. For more information, plus.theparacast.com, P-L-U-S.theparacast.com. MJ, thank you for joining us on The Paracast. Gene, it is always an honor to be on your show. Featuring Gene Steinberg and Christopher O'Brien is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.